This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. We evolved to be active, sentient beings. And when we are not active, we're actually working against our nature. And so when we're inactive, when we're sedentary, we have this tendency for the body to break down. Whether we are inactive, our bodies will tend to break down, or we're overactive, our bodies will tend to break down. So again, it's finding that middle ground where we can find that balance. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bosson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss the coolest amenities coming to high-rises in Toronto. Also, the health benefits of volunteering. And lastly, body hacks for weight loss. But first, a little bit of business. Support for today's show comes from the Benvenuto Group. The Benvenuto Group is the owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. I'd like to welcome our first guest, Mitchell Abrahams. He's the principal of the Benvenuto Group. He's a real estate professional with over 25 years of commercial and multifamily residential real estate experience. He's converted apartments into condominiums and developed condominium and apartment projects. Welcome back. Hi, Jamie. Last time you were on the show, we talked about green and tech amenities that would soon be available in Toronto high-rises, but we didn't get a chance to discuss some of the other things that are coming. So what's coming that excites you the most? A lot of things. You're very excitable. I'm very excitable, but uh, particularly about apartment buildings. That might be strange, but, you know, first thing... That's why we love you. Good. Let's talk about, first of all, about apartments themselves. Okay. I think there's a lot of choice coming that answers changing demographics and changing wants. People talk about micro-suites, for example. What what are micro-suites? Micro-suites are suites typically under 400 square feet, so quite small. And... For a while, people were nervous about them, but I think they fill a niche for a lot of people. People want to live in great neighborhoods. Buildings are coming out with better and better amenities. Some people don't spend that much time in their apartment. They just want a small place to sleep, and they spend their life socializing and in the amenities of their building and at work. And they don't want to pay as much rent, but they want to live somewhere nice. At the same time, there are people who are traveling and doing business in two or three cities and want to have a place to land when they get there where they leave their clothes uh, and its home base. And at the same time, there are retired couples who are saying, I want to keep a place in town, but I want to be at Blue Mountain or I I want to be in Florida or in Paris or whatever. And and I still want to have a home base in my hometown. So I think it's, it's a choice that people are making. And once buildings are becoming more livable in the common elements, people are saying, I just need a place where I can just live and sleep. But 400, 400 square feet or 400 meters, 
What does that get you? Like, what, what would it look like? It really doesn't get you much. It, it gets you a, a, a small living space. It gets you a, an area for a bed, and it gets you a really small kitchen area. But as an example, there was there was a project in in New York called Jade by Jay Jagger, Mick Jagger's daughter. Okay, uh, and the theme behind it was, it's New York. You don't need much of a kitchen. Six uh, nights a week, you order in, and on the seventh, you you go out for dinner. So there are people who fit that profile uh, and are looking for somewhere nice to live, but don't don't want space and don't want high rent. At the other end of the spectrum, I think suites are getting bigger. People are choosing rental as a lifestyle, right. and they're looking at condos. And very few condos, other than high-end luxury buildings are offering real suites where you could live with a family, either as a young family in a two- or three-bedroom layout that really works, or as an empty nester family, particularly people who sell their homes. Uh, they've got kids who've gone away to university, and uh, they say, you know what? Every once in a while, my kids visit on the weekend. I need a three-bedroom apartment for now. and Or for the grandkids. Down or for grandkids coming over the weekend. And, and by the way, the flexibility is that, you know, in, in a few years from now, I may downsize from a three-bedroom to a two-bedroom, but I don't need to put a condo for sale. Uh, I'll uh, give notice to the landlord and see when something that works for me in a smaller size is available. And I think that that's something else people choosing long-term apartment living in spaces they can really live in. And, and there's not a lot of that available today. Okay, so that's space. I, I understand there's changes coming to issues on transportation. You want to elaborate on that? Sure. I, I think transportation, and particularly your car, right. is an issue that's really in flux. People really don't know what things are going to look like over the next 10 years. Or whether they even want to have a car. Right. People are using transit more. People are using car share more. People are having a car at the start or two cars when they first move into a building and then realize that, you know what, let's downsize to one car or let's go to no car. Right. Um, and people are building buildings for the long term, and I think it's hard for them to guess how many parking spots am I going to need to deal with the number of suites that there are in the building? Right. If you build 150 suites, do you need 150 parking spots? Do you need 100 parking spots? Or do you need 50 parking spots? Right. Hard to tell, particularly in the transit node. So I think people are thinking about those things. Number one, they're looking at things like, do we build parking at a ground floor or at higher levels that could be converted to retail space or to apartment space in the future if there's not a need for it? Are there other uses for the space? Are there ways to get more cars into a parking garage in a more efficient way? We're seeing much more in the way of technology helping, cars being stacked in garages, computers picking up your car on pallets and, and putting them close together. And when you call for your car, computerized you know, a uh, forklift comes and gets the car and brings it out so that you don't have to maneuver it through too tight a space. And maybe a parking spot goes down from, you know, typically uh, 450 square feet on average, including your drive lanes, to 300 square feet per parking spot. And you can build less parking, which is expensive, particularly underground in, in an urban setting, and you can fit more cars into less space. People are going towards electric cars. Right. Where do you charge them? People are using car share. Where do you put them? How do you make them available? What's a should the project own cars or should you have a deal with a, uh, a car sharing service that adjusts the size of the fleet available to the building depending on what the need is? I think a bunch of those things are questions that we don't know the answer to today, but it's hard to commit in an old style to building an old parking garage when it may be obsolete in a few years. Right. Okay. Uh, another thing that I think people are interested in when they're, when they're contemplating an apartment, particularly if they're downsizing, is how they're going to stay in the unit as they get older. So on that front, what are you seeing? First of all, we're seeing services. I think that you know people want to know that there are 
people working in the building who can give them a hand. Right. Uh, so concierge service to people is a luxury at one point, but it's a real service that you need as you age. People who help you bring up your groceries, a way to get stuff delivered to you at your place, but even more so, units designed with door frames the size where if you were in a wheelchair, you could still get around your unit and not have to move. Right. Showers that, you know, that are full-size glass showers rather than the old-style bathtub that you found in an apartment building, which uh, are hard to get in and out of as you age. Right. You don't uh, need to step over. Right. You and, can and just walk in. Right. And particularly one where, you know, maybe it's a glass door, but maybe it's a sliding glass door, which you could get into with a wheelchair at one point, or you could get into it with a walker at one point. These are things that are aesthetically still really pleasing, but allow you to age in place and not have to worry at a certain point, is it too hard for me to get around in my home? Okay. And the last thing I want to discuss today is is the fact that a lot of people like me, I work from home or perhaps I'm not going into the office all the time. So what are you seeing in buildings that are supporting people who perhaps have home businesses? A number of things. First of all, I, I think that we're starting to see projects with high quality Wi-Fi in all the common areas so that you can be moving about and be able to be in communication. But more so, I think people are looking at the WeWork model and saying, how do we personalize this to a building? How can people work from home and have a business center where they can work from their apartment, but if they feel they want to have a video conference call, a meeting, uh, a way to get away from the noise in your home um, – is there a real environment where you can create a business center that people really use and can be an upgrade to what you have in your apartment? And I think people are looking for that because some days they're in the office and some days they're telecommuting and other days they're traveling elsewhere. Uh, to be able to have that home as a base where you can do more than just work from your kitchen table, I think is something people are looking for. Well, thank you for coming in today and, and, and discussing that. My pleasure. We've got to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss the health benefits of volunteering. On the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power vegan protein or visit Purica.com. Purica. Nature. Science. You. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Purely Natural. They're fourth generation master herbalists. It's a family owned Canadian company that's been in business for over 100 years. They've been working with my company, Tonic Magazine, for over 10 years. And its principal, Joel Thuna, has been writing our fantastic preventative medicine column for over seven years. They're one of the original sponsors for the OMTO Yoga Festival. The company is certified GMP, kosher, and organic. For more information about Purely Natural, please visit their website, purelynatural.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson, and I'm the publisher of Tonic Magazine and the host of The Tonic. I just wanted to remind you that The Tonic Talk Show is brought to you by Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness publication that I've been putting out for over 10 years. We're available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods all in Toronto. 
You can learn more about the magazine by visiting our website, www.tonictoronto.com. And if you ever miss an episode of The Tonic, you can also hear it there. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is Kamara Chambers. She's the Executive Director of Volunteer Toronto, a charity that connects volunteers to the causes that need them. She volunteers leading hikes for the Toronto Bruce Trail Club and is an aerial yoga enthusiast. Welcome to The Tonic, Kamara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You wrote an excellent article in the February issue about the health benefits of volunteering, which if one were to be cynical, could have been called volunteering. What's in it for me? <laughs> yes, if one wants to be cynical. <laughs> well, well, you know, one, uh, one this one here <laughs> is, frequ- is frequently okay, cynical. Okay, good to know. The first benefit you write about is about Mm self-fulfillment. So what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone's busy in today's world. And I think it's really easy to go through life wondering why am I really here and what am I doing? And then to almost cling to um, material things to try to get a sense of why you're here and um, really a sense of fulfillment in your life. And I find that so many people find that volunteering gives them that. You know, they they tend to look uh, for that fulfillment in other places. But then when they start volunteering and giving back and the most important important thing being finding a cause you actually really care about and realizing that you're making a difference in a community that you care about that fulfillment really comes automatically and I think people are so surprised by that that it's really quite refreshing. Can volunteering help with your self-esteem, for example? It can, you know, and I find that so many people, and myself included, when you start volunteering, you often learn new things and you you discover new skills or even skills that you have that you completely forgot about and maybe skills you don't necessarily use in your everyday life. And that really does increase your self-confidence and it makes you feel that you maybe you are more than you think you may be. An example being that I, I spent two and a half years volunteering every single Friday night with a bunch of youth and they're based downtown and they're most of them are actually from quite low income communities and don't have many opportunities in their lives and I found that I completely forgot that I love working with youth and I love being with them and I love the the refreshing ideas that they have and just the almost the challenge to engage with them when often they just wanted to sit down and play a PlayStation because that was more engaging for them um, but it really allowed me to build my self-confidence when it came to my interpersonal skills and my communication skills and also my ability to connect with that younger generation and I think that happens with so many people I've, I've met people who have moved to Toronto who have found it really hard to get a job and in years and years of job searching have begun to think that they actually don't bring any worth and don't have any skills to bring to the table and volunteering has has reminded them of what they they do have. And I I presume it gives them an opportunity to exercise their skill set, right? And because mm-hmm. if you're not working, you, you become stagnant. You become stagnant. You can sometimes become a bit, a bit of a homebody. Right. You don't necessarily have that that opportunity to connect with your community or even to meet new people. And volunteering can remind you that you have that and you have so many qualities. In the article, you also uh, reference reducing stress. So how does that work? Mm -hmm. I often find that just by volunteering, it really takes you out of your little bubble and your your own little world. And it reminds you of everything else that's available out there and also the different situations that other people are experiencing, which often are much worse than your own. And I think just being able to have that change of perspective really does often, often lead to the improvement of your mood or just feeling better about the world in general, particularly if you know you're making a difference in another person's life. And I found that from mentoring youth and working with different types of people. And even in my spare time, I actually lead hikes in the um, the woods. And I take people on these group trips where I lead them through the forest. And I find the opportunity to reconnect with them. It definitely takes me away from my everyday stress and all those little worries I have in my typical life. And I, I find that lots of people find that as well. Yeah, I agree. So 
How can volunteering help your physical well-being? Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. I think that's an area that not many people know about. Right, yeah. I find I find it fascinating. There have been recent studies about volunteering, and most people know that it does tend to have an element of, um, of benefit when it comes to your mental health sure. and things like that. But there, there are two studies that I find most interesting. One is from a university in Pittsburgh called the Carnegie Mellon University. Right. And what they found was that volunteering actually lowers people's blood pressure, which is quite surprising, but it's generally thought that because you are typically being a bit more active, not every volunteer position is very active, but some right. are. Well, certainly hiking in the woods is, right? Hiking in the woods is, yes. And if you're running after youth, it probably is a little bit active. But that can really help you with your um, with your general physical well-being. And then there are other studies that actually find that volunteering helps you be a bit more mentally agile, particularly if you are doing something that requires you to think about the activity, whether it's tutoring or maybe just simply interacting with different people. It can help you to keep your brain that much more more alert. Sure. You know, even learning a new skill set to apply mm-hmm. to the volunteering, uh, learning something new keeps, uh, you know, the connections going in your brain. Exactly. Yeah. I think the most important potential benefit that you touch upon in the article uh, is preventing social isolation. Mm. Would, would you agree with that? I definitely think so. I think Toronto, I moved to Toronto almost seven years ago. And one of the things I heard time and time again is Toronto is such a cold city, not just in terms of the weather and the snow in the winter, but just in terms of people feeling connected to other people and feeling... Um, that they have opportunities to meet others. And I really find that if you choose the right volunteer opportunity and you do something where you're working directly with people, whether it's clients or other volunteers, it's quite easy to actually find new friends and make those new connections and even if you want to, begin to network. And I find that lots of people, particularly seniors as well, tend to use volunteering as that way of stepping outside of their comfort zone and just meeting people that they wouldn't necessarily meet in their everyday lives. Most of the studies I've read uh, show that, you know, one of the most important important factors in, in aging and sort of keeping your mental faculties is being engaged with other people mm-hmm. and, and not being isolated on your own. Exactly. And I think that sometimes it's hard to think, where can I do that? How can I do that? Right. Um, and some people use social activities as a way of doing that. But if you are new to the community or maybe your situation's changed and you don't necessarily have those social connections, volunteering is a great way of getting them. I agree. Well, thank you for coming in today. No, thanks that for having me. That was super informative. We have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss body hacks for weight loss on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. As one of the largest coach education organizations in the world, the Certified Coaches Federation provides training for individuals and companies looking to transform themselves and those around them through the power of life and executive coaching. 
Whether you want to work with men, women, or teens, helping them achieve clarity on their goals and wanting to provide the support and accountability only a professional coach can deliver, the Certified Coaches Federation, or CCF, has trained over 13,000 certified coach practitioners worldwide just to do that. CCF Certified Coach Practitioners provide clear, concise, and relevant direction to anyone dissatisfied with where they are and have found themselves stuck not knowing what to do about it. With the most accessible coach education available, the Certified Coaches Federation prides itself on delivering the most relevant information, providing attainable skills, and creating unique tools to support anyone with a thirst for helping others. Whether you're an aspiring coach or already a veteran, the Certified Coaches Federation has a type of training suited to your needs. Contact the Certified Coaches Federation at 1-866-455-2155 or CertifiedCoachesFederation.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Rod McDonald, has over 30 years in the field of self-development. He's the CEO of the Certified Coaches Federation, one of the largest coach education companies in the world, and a speaker, coach, and author. For more information on Rod, visit www.indestructiblehuman.com. Hi, Rod. Welcome back. Hey, Jamie. It's great to be back. Your article in the February issue of Tonic Magazine uh, lists four body hacks for weight loss. Why are body hacks necessary for weight loss? You know, I I use the term body hack as just a way to understand that if we uh, embrace the way our body actually works, we can actually work with it as opposed to against it, as many people do when they try to diet in the wrong way or try to exercise in the wrong way. Okay. So um, what's happening with our bodies? Like, why do people put on weight? Well, you know, it's a great question. And the more you understand it, the more empowered you are to actually do something about it. The truth is that our bodies have evolved to actually be the way that they are and to put on weight as easily as they do. You know, from 100,000 years ago, from 7 million years ago, we actually uh, lived in times of famine more than we did in times of abundance. And as a result of that, we've evolved to be very efficient at putting on body fat Uh, So that when we do hit those times of famine, we have something to rely upon. So those of us who put on weight easily are actually more evolved. We're we're (laughs) more evolved and and we'll survive longer uh, if there's some kind of uh, disaster, zombie apocalypse, whatever the case may be. I am good to go in a zombie apocalypse. I've always told my wife that and now now there's actually evidence to support it. So what happens when we deprive the body uh, and then binge? Like, you know, a lot of people yo-yo up and down. Yeah. Well, it's, it's... part and parcel with that evolution. When we deprive ourselves of food, our bodies actually slow our metabolisms down so that we can store as much as possible, even with a little bit of food coming in. And that's why we have to be very careful about depriving our our bodies of food because most of us will actually uh, gain more weight as a result of that because you can only deprive yourself for so long until you break mentally, emotionally, and then typically you binge. And when you binge and your body's in that state of slower metabolism, your body's, it's actually easier for it to put on even more weight, which is why we sometimes see people who lose weight and then not only regain all of that weight, but actually go higher in their weight, higher in their body fat as a result. And, you know, our bodies adjust, you know, even if all of a sudden you started to do more exercise and and sort of watched your intake, your body's going to adjust to that as well, right? Like it it fights against 
your efforts to lose the weight, right? Absolutely. There's a fancy word from uh, physiology which is called homeostasis, and that's just the notion that our bodies strive to attain this balance. And it's a balance of energy expenditure and energy intake, and it will continue to modulate uh, the metabolism to be able to adjust to that. And so when we exercise more, um, too much, for example, we actually have a stress response and we may actually gain weight as a result of that stress response because of the cortisol release and some of the other hormonal factors. When we don't eat enough, we get a similar kind of reaction where our bodies strive to put on more weight as a protective mechanism. So really, it's finding a balance to work with your body's desire for balance. So there's enough exercise to offset the intake of food. And uh, the challenge then becomes when you want to lose the extra body fat that you already have, that you have to do just enough extra exercise and take in just enough uh, less food for you to gradually lose that weight so that you're not forcing your body into a state of famine and therefore uh, needing to binge and then gain weight back again. Why is it so dangerous to be inactive? Well, you know, again, from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, we evolved to be active Uh, sentient beings. And when we are not active, we're actually working against our nature. And so when we're inactive, when we're sedentary, we have this tendency to for the body to break down. So it actually works on both ends of it. Whether we uh, are inactive, our bodies will tend to break down, or we're overactive, our bodies will tend to break down. So again, it's, it's finding that middle ground where we can find that balance. And why is stress such a big factor? You mentioned that, you know, when you put your body under stress, you know, it lets out the cortisol. But what else is going on? Well, you know that there are two types of stress. There's good stress, which is sometimes called eustress. That's the technical term for it. Right. And the negative stress, which is distress. And either way, the body reacts the same way, which is uh, this is an unusual experience for me. Uh, This is not what I want for the long term. And so the body tries to react by uh, triggering the parasympathetic nervous system. And what it does is it releases cortisol to try to calm you down, try to bring down that state. But when we're in our daily lives in traffic and stress and our boss is yelling at us and we're having a, an argument with our spouse or, or trying to pick up our kids at school and there's a big lineup of cars, we're constantly under the state of stress. And so we're constantly bombarded by the negative uh, or less than positive hormones that actually contribute to weight gain and the negative sides of it. Wow. So thank you for coming in today and, and sort of explaining how to actively fight against the natural inclination of our bodies to, to store the weight. Next month, you're going to come back and onto the tonic, and you're going to discuss something I hope never applies to me, and that's how men over 50 lose their mojo and need to get it back. So I look forward to that. You're going to come back and do that? Absolutely. I'll be here. Fantastic. And thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For articles written by Rod McDonald and Kamara Chambers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers and 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at www.tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on the Valentine's episode of The Tonic. We'll discuss the connection between love and yoga And we'll give you some exercises that you can do to improve your sex life. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. 
Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.